You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from Waste Disposal Center 3 on the original Death Star. All right, Vocal Fam. Vocal Fam, we are here with such a huge week. It's been such a crazy, crazy, weird, huge week. And we owe so much thanks to the the, uh, individual joining Sarah and I today for this. Uh, We are Mm -hmm. joined by uh, the executive director of the National Association of Teachers of Singing, Dr. Alan Henderson. Welcome to Vocal Fry. It's great to be with you guys. What uh, what a crazy week it's been, and we'll get to Nat's cast in a minute. But um, Alan, for those maybe who are, are not familiar with who you are and what it is that you do, um, it, obviously singing professor, singing teacher uh, at, at Georgia Southern, and uh, do a lot of things. Just give us a little bit of background about yourself so we know who you are. Well, I do teach. Uh, I've been for the last 15 years at Georgia Southern University, and before that I taught at Austin Peay State University near Nashville. Yeah. Uh, and then for the last uh, 12 years, I've been the executive director of Nats, and that's been a great ride. Uh, it's been fun to really work on this side of our profession and work with a lot of great teachers, pedagogues, voice scientists, students, and singers all over the world uh, to, to advance our profession. And so that's been a, a really exciting uh, part of my life and professionally as well. Yeah, you actually, I guess, because I, I, my background as a student had never been to participate in Nats. None of my teachers, it was just not a thing that we did. And I didn't join Nats until I was finishing my DMA. And you would have taken over as executive director right about the time that I joined Nats. Um, so I, I, I think you were the only executive director that I've known, I, th- I think. <laughs> to, Same. To the best of my knowledge. Well, that's, I guess that, that can be good or bad. Well, but I, think, <laughs> well, I just think there's been an observation that I think a lot, many of us would agree with is that the organization has changed a lot in these 12 years, wouldn't you say? I mean, there have been some, there have been some, some definite shifts what are one or two of the sort of biggest shifts that maybe have occurred in Nats in your in your time in this position well certainly technology is uh, a major player in the changes that have happened in Nats in the last 12 years uh, you know we were still on I guess maybe our second generation website then and you know you can just think back it may be hard, actually, for people to think back to their technological life <laughs> 12 or 13 years ago. Uh, yeah. You know. Uh, Pre-iPhone. Still people, yes. People still getting their first smartphones and things like that. And, uh, but, you know, staying ahead, you know, some of it's catching up, but some of it's then trying to kind of also stay ahead as much as you can. You know, uh, bigger organizations like Nats and those of us who are in higher education, you know, we loathe the pace at which things progress <laughs> uh, in some large, huge organizations. And so one of the things uh, that's been exciting about Nats, I think over the last 12 to 15 years, is 
the ability to move forward and uh, and most of the time have the resources to do uh, big things that we need to do uh, sure. and and move the organization forward. Uh, certainly, we've diversified uh, our presence from the standpoint of people seeing the diversity of our profession through NATS. Uh, certainly, the history of NATS leans more classically, but there have always been teachers and members and students who have sung a variety of styles and performed a variety of styles and taught a variety of styles. But uh, really representing that more fully, both uh, in our products and services, but also uh, in our conferences and in uh, the publications that we're involved in uh, and promoting that diversity has been an important part of what we've done in the last 12 years, for ab sure. Ab absolutely. I think we've seen great growth in, in, in those areas, f for sure, in my time uh, with the organization. Um, so, uh, out of curiosity, uh, what would you say, if any of the members of the Vocal Fam are maybe, um, maybe they've been a little... Maybe they've never participated in Nats because maybe their teachers didn't participate in Nats or, or what have you. Or maybe they just, you know, you obviously the Internet is both wonderful and terrible all at the same time. So maybe they've heard, you know, mm. conflicting opinions about membership in Nats. What would you say to someone who's maybe been a little reticent maybe to get involved and to get plugged in? Um, you know, wh what are maybe some of the advantages that they could see beyond just, I think sometimes so many people think of Nats as it's just the student auditions. It's just, I enter my students, I get feedback yeah. on my students, but I have other outlets for doing that or, or whatever. What, 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 what were some of the things you'd say to someone who's been a little, you know, hands off? Well, I think certainly you're right about the student auditions aspect. A lot of people, that's their entree into Nats from one way or another as a student or as a teacher. Uh, and what we know from some of our research about people who stay engaged in Nats is that uh, those who stay engaged in Nats get involved in a chapter in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and granted, uh, you know, some chapters are statewide chapters, and so Hopefully things move around and they come to you, but sometimes you have to travel to get to them, and that, that you know, that's a reality of of what happens. Uh, but um, of in our statistics and looking at people who don't renew their membership in Nats, uh, I did this maybe three two years ago. We went through every person who didn't renew their membership in Nats, and one of the telling statistics was. Of those, of that number, only about a dozen were actually members of a chapter. Ah. So that says to me, if you get engaged at a chapter level or even a region level in some way with Nats, you're, it makes sense. Your engagement goes up. Your uh, sense of, yeah, this is something worthwhile being involved in. I get something out of it. My students get something out of it. Uh then, you know, you're, you tend to be more engaged. We also, I think, have chapters that have varying histories and also, uh, I guess, varying structures in the, and leanings. Uh, and so chapters go through cycles. Some chapters yeah. 
seem to be seem to lean a little more academic in their leadership and in their activities. Some seem to lean a little more independent, teacher oriented, and so their programming sometimes reflects that. And so, one of the things I I tell people, you know, who say, "Well, you know, my ch- this chapter near me is this way or that way," and I say, "Well, jump in and get involved." You know, they're not going to have programming. Or the things you're interested in, unless you get in there and say, you know, how about let's do this? You know, this has uh, been a thing for me. I mean, uh, every every time I've had uh, this is my so I'm in my second chapter officer role, and I, I always you know some people we get the feedback of like, well, I don't like how this is going, or I don't like how that is going, and I'm like, well, have you? offered to serve as an officer have you put yourself up to get involved do you come to our meetings i mean you know because it's one thing to sort of it's easy on the internet to complain about something but it's a different thing to actually get involved in, in an organization that's true that's it's always true it's easy to be a quarterback uh, since it's super bowl weekend while we're doing this it's easy to be a quarterback uh, you know from your tv indeed, uh, indeed. but you know it's uh I've found that people who get engaged with Nats at whatever level uh, find things that are of value and uh, that contribute to their profession, to their personal growth. Uh, And whether it's the Journal of Singing is their favorite thing, whether it's going to a conference it's their favorite thing, whether it's the Live Learning Center, or whether it's other resources that Nats provides, uh, they they get plugged in somewhere, some way. Absolutely. And um, you know, we have open nominations for offices at regional levels. We have open nominations for national offices. We have uh, and and chapters are mostly the same way, I think. And so. You know, it, there's always opportunity for those who want to get engaged at a deeper level. And there's no one that I, I rarely run into somebody who is not busy <laughs> with their life and with their profession and who, you know, just sits around and twiddles their thumbs. You know, uh, just so, judging by how difficult it's been to schedule our podcast recording sessions for Nats National yes. people, I can confirm that this statement, based on a small end number, is true. Right, Sarah? So, you know, it's, uh, oh, yeah. And so, you know, I think another aspect of, uh, of what's important about Nats is giving back. And I think a lot of people who serve in Nats uh, also have a sense that it's not just about what I get out of it, but it's what I can contribute and what I can give to the profession. Absolutely. Uh, we all have unique aspects uh, of our expertise, uh, no matter how great or small, and we have contributions we can make to our chapter level, or region, or even at the national level. Absolutely. And we've had some amazing you know, people who have served at all of those levels oh, and bring sure. a lot of great work to uh, to to Nats at all levels. Absolutely. Well, we're sitting across from a young woman who needs to go ahead and finally join uh, at, at, at the national it. level. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, who, who who might actually even be in the same chapter here as our I guest? I am. I'm in Atlanta. 
I know. Oh, yeah. I forgot you're in Atlanta now. I know you said oh. Georgia Southern. And I was like, oh gosh, that's right here. Well, not right, right here, but. So know. see now when you go, Sarah, next year, and you go and take some of your young students to Nats. I think I'm going to try to get some of them to go to like the state Nats first because none of them yeah. have ever been. And they don't even know. Like I, I went to, you know, because I got this new job at this school and I'm like, oh, so do y'all go to Nats? And they're like, what is that? And they're like some other voices. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is such an easy way to plug in. It's such an easy opportunity for students, especially, well, obviously the high school ones. So um, so next year when yeah, you see Dr. Goal. Henderson at, at auditions, you can say Or hello. you can cut. I mean, no. you know, as if I don't have enough to do, we're hosting the Southeast region at Georgia Southern this spring in March next month. So come on down. <laughs> So there we go. See, come on down. This is what vocally. You can do everyone. some live shots. Uh, some live and and, and there segments. and there we go. Okay, so really there one of the go. big oh, things we wanted to talk good. about today is obviously we have a national conference coming up, and yep. uh, hashtag Nats in Knox. Um, so Alan, how long does it take to plan a national as you guys start thinking about it? Like, is, is it like the moment the la when Vegas ended, did you start planning Knoxville or? Well, it, kind of, yes. I mean, we, at the end of every national conference on the last day after everything's done, those who plan that one sit around and just kind of have a immediate kind of face-to-face -face evaluation what what went well what didn't go well you know what speakers were fabulous uh what you know just a real just kind of quick uh check-in yeah, well, while fresh. things are fresh uh and then we you know we begin thinking about the next two years you know two years so it's it's kind of a nats runs in a, a i like to call it a two-year cycle because we have a uh a national conference every two years. We have some of our big competition events that are every other year. Right. Uh, and then we have a lot of things that happen every year. Uh, but so we, we do begin, it's, it's a, it's a long cycle and we like to have if, uh, some of the pe leadership people for the next conference in place. Sure. Uh, by the previous conference, they can come shadow some people. They can see what, what happens, how it works. Uh, and so, you know, they always gather great ideas. You know, it's, it's a great time for them because they, they don't necessarily have any big responsibilities at that conference. So they can just go to a lot of things and jot down notes about, oh, this was great. We need to do this at the next conference or yeah. we need to change that. So it's a, you know, we're always thinking about that or, or you know, one of our workshop events. Uh, and getting those planned. Um, with the location being Knoxville, I'm just curious. Did you have any uh, involvement in choosing the site, given your <laughs> slight history with the town? Well, I did grow up in Knoxville. That's not the reason we chose Knoxville. <laughs> but, um, it'll be nice to be uh, at home, oh, I guess you yeah. could say. Right. A uh, little bit of a but, Tennessee Volunteers fan, I think, if I'm, uh, if I'm yeah, correct. Yeah. Go balls. That's uh -huh. great. I can stand most of the SEC teams if if the ten, if the Vols aren't playing. There are a few. It's uh, really hard. See, to I grew up for. as a Men well, not as a Memphis fan, but in Memphis, and so we always had the uh, UT. Blah, so uh -huh. sorry. Well, on to other things, but anyway, uh, 
we we have a number of cities on our list always, uh-huh. and so when we uh, look around for other cities, there are a lot of factors that go into it. Uh, some of it's about hotel rates that we can get. Uh, certainly, uh, facilities and the availability of them, uh, and it just so happened that. Uh, Debbie Guess, who helps do our meeting planning, mm-hmm. uh, got a shout out from the folks in Knoxville. Uh, we checked into it. Uh, it was a really excellent opportunity for us. Uh, this is the first time we will be in a convention center type space. Uh, huh. We've always been in a hotel. Yeah, all of my years have been in major yes, that's right. facilities. Uh, and so it was really affordable for us, uh, and it made it economically appealing oh, for us to go to Knoxville. Nice. <laughs> and uh, so it's all worked out really well. Uh, and you know, I uh, we while we do try to move the national conference around the country, of course, uh, one of the factors in a place like Knoxville is so many of our members can drive. I was going to say, it, it, nice. it, I, I, nice. I find it great because it's kind of centric. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's within a day's drive of uh, a, a large swath of, of the U.S. population. Vegas and, and so, Salt Lake City were both great, but also a flight out there. a little bit of a there, reach. You know, yeah. no, no, no. We'll be back out west sometime. So I'm, I'm sure. It moves around. Uh, so... You know, those on the West Coast are traveling to come to this one. Uh, And so, but Knoxville has so many great things to offer. It's a wonderful outdoors place if uh, Mm -hmm. if you want to bring your family along. And I always like to promote our NATS conference as a family-friendly environment. Uh, We constantly have, uh, you know, a few newborns strolling around. Uh, Wow. You know, the the conference, it's always fun to see that. Lots of people bring their family, have, you know, my kids grew up going to Nats conferences, and so they have some friends whose parents also did that, that they met through going to Nats conferences. Absolutely. Uh, so Knoxville's a great outdoors place. Uh, it's convenient to the mountains. There's great hiking. Uh, there's some great natural things to do if you're an outdoors person. Uh, it's a great river. There's some great restaurants and uh, things near the hotels, a uh, great kind of downtown life that has really uh, been a resurgent in recent years. And I know we've got uh, sort of one evening activity that I definitely want you to tell us about, it's sort of there yeah. in the downtown area. But if you had to, before we stop, before we get to sort of the specifics of the conference, if you had to name like one or two restaurants down there that we shouldn't miss, mm, is there yeah. something we should not, as a local, is there something we shouldn't miss? Uh, yeah, uh, the Black Horse Brewery is actually owned by a friend of mine, uh, who See, had one, also had go. one in Clarksville, uh, at Austin P is where it started. Gotcha. It's a great, uh, it's a great pub brewery, uh, and has great food. Um, there is also another really interesting, uh, taco themed restaurant on Gay Street. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, but it, it's cool. And then on Market Square, which is uh, about two blocks from our ho- most of our hotels, uh, is a, it's an old outdoor mall type environment that's been uh-huh. uh, 
repurposed, and so it has lots of restaurants, retail. Uh, there's several bars down there, but there's also a bunch of restaurants that are really good. Uh, right. Lots They're of nice. things have changed, and you'll be hearing all more about that. My, I happen to have a daughter and a daughter-in-law who live there in Knoxville, and they're really plugged in, and so they're going to make a few little helpful videos for people. Phenomenal. Oh, that's nice. Put up on the website. Phenomenal. And, you know, direct people to things. They go hiking all the time, so they're outdoors people, and they're okay. great resources people that want to do some of those things absolutely okay so That's vocal awesome. fam if you've never been to a national conference uh, mm-hmm. if you've been to an academic conference that they may be sort of more like something like voice foundation or something where it's really just more or less papers and sessions and that kind of thing that's national is sort of a that's correct a much bigger picture thing than this um so let's hit some highlights that you'd like to to hit you know, that maybe would encourage the vocal fam to actually come if they, if they're sort of like, Oh, I don't know about Knoxville. I don't know if I just want to come and hear all this or, or whatever. What, what, what would be some highlights of the conference that you'd want to hit? Well, uh, first of all, our voice science lecture is going to be Christian Herbst. Oh, fantastic. Some people have been, um, to, uh, either ICVT or Voice Foundation Chris may have John heard Christian uh, speak before, but he's great. Uh, his topic is registers the snake pit of vocal pedagogy. Yes. So it's a real intriguing title, and he's done some amazing research Herb recently. Spec, in, Journal of Voice, Glottal Configuration, he lives, oh and uh, so it's going to be cool. Uh, he's he's a great guy. People really love him. Phenomenal. Uh, so for the these are main vocal science. Uh, plenary session speaker. Uh, and uh, also, um, we're going to have uh, Andrew Harley, who is a, cl- a uh, collaborative pianist, do collaborative piano oh. master class. He's teaching at Eastman now. And he's uh, British by birth. Uh, and so he's going to be great. We also are going to have the American Spiritual Ensemble uh, have concert it's going to be an amazing concert uh we have a lot of nats members who sing in that sure. ensemble now Absolutely. and have sung in it before cool. uh, and so it's the first time we've ever been able to get it scheduled and get it all get them there and so i'm real excited about that everett corby who directs them is a longtime nats member mm-hmm. amazing supporter of nats and uh, so we're really excited about that uh Fantastic. One recent yeah. change that's happened I in our this, schedule, yes. if you've been keeping up with uh, our programming, is that unfortunately um, Larry Brownlee has had to cancel his appearance with us due mm-hmm. to some family uh, issues that he's having to deal with this summer. And uh, so we're fortunate, however, that Ana Maria Martinez has agreed to come and be our Fantastic. featured artist. And I think this and is the first you're hearing of this vocal fam. I think this is the first time this has gone as public information. You're breaking it here. It is. Breaking have, news. It'll be announced on the website next week and some things like that. But, um, yeah, we'll be rolling that out next week. And uh, uh, but, yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah, Anna Maria is fantastic. She's uh, singing right now in Chicago Lyric. She's been at the Met this season. Uh, she recently began teaching uh, really? at I didn't Rice know that. University. 
She's a, a visiting artist for the this academic year and next academic year at uh, Rice University. And oh, so cool. she's been teaching. Uh, her mother was a voice teacher as well. And uh, so she has a big, of course, connection to Houston. She was in the uh, HGO Young sure. Artist Program. Uh, she bases herself in Houston. Uh, so uh, we're really excited about that. Uh, and, you know, she brings a certain uh, energy and wonderful artistry. Uh, certainly her heritage, her Hispanic heritage, will, I'm sure, be present in her recital. Awesome. Uh, and so that's going to be a really excellent evening for everyone. And, of course, she's going to do a master class as well. Uh, awesome. And one of the things that is, I think, is a, one of the gems of Knoxville is the Tennessee Theater, which is a uh, mm-hmm. an old historic uh, theater that's been renovated. It's, it's just an amazing space. The Knoxville Opera performs there and many other performing arts groups mm-hmm. in Knoxville. And so uh, it's, it'll be really fascinating to be in that space. Uh, and so it'll be a really fun time. Uh, one of the new things that we're doing this year, which I'm really excited about it, uh, we're calling it Nats Rocks Knox right now. Yes, this is what I was talking about, yes. Is that uh, one evening we are going to be kind of taking over four or five live music spaces in this Market Square area I was telling you about. Uh, and we are going to be curating kind of a a crawl, a performance crawl um, throughout that area on uh, Sunday evening. And so what we're going to be doing is uh, putting out a call for people, anybody, students, uh, Nats members who want to submit a video uh, to be considered to be on one of the programs. And all styles are open. Uh, We're going to have you got that, Sarah? All styles are open. All styles are open. All right, all right. We're going to have, you know, uh, we haven't decided on exactly what mix is going to be in what venue yet, but yeah. sure. once we get all the submissions in, we're going to package the evening so people can, uh, it's going to be, you know, all Nats members and students uh, performing, you know, basically a two-hour block uh, in these five different venues, which are all easily you're easily able to traverse from one to the other so yeah you want to go listen to a little jazz in one place and then hit the music theater evening and then go around to the opera operetta and then if you want to go to the blues gospel whatever uh so we're gonna have that evening and people can just wander of course the establishments will be open, so you can get drinks and food that evening if you want to while you're there. Uh, so one of the venues is uh, uh, has a what they call a listening room in it, uh, and then there's a rooftop space on mm. on the same building. There's an outdoor stage at Market Square Mall, uh, and then there's a place called the Square Room, which is uh, actually a performance space and a meeting slash uh, reception space on Market Square. And then, uh, so, I, you know, it's going to be real exciting. It's going to be fun. It's going to be totally run and managed by Nats members. And we're going to have teams uh, for each place, teams of three people that are going to 
kind of manage those evenings. They're going to select all the singers for for those uh, venues and run the evening. So yeah. I think it'll be Sounds- real exciting, fun. It sounds a lot like kind of opera on tap meets yep. Nats. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of vibe, which what is evening super is, fun. Which evening is that happening? I mean, on Sunday evening. Sunday. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Sunday. Phenomenal. Um, now, there are also some um, really enticing pre-conference workshops that happen sort of, I guess they always happen before the opening ceremonies, the same day, right? That's right. They're always the mor- the morning of the opening day of the conference. So they go from nine to one. And so a lot of our friends who have been on the podcast are doing those those pre-conference sessions, which is why I bring them up. They are. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Ian and Chadley and Ken are doing one. That's right. Cool. And Michelle is doing one. Yep. And who else am I forgetting? Uh, Matt Edwards and Matt and is Marcel. doing one. Matt That's right. Oh, wow. Doing one on teaching the singer-songwriter, which I think is going to be... Uh, Oh, really great. Nice. It's a yeah. little bit of a different topic than uh, Matt has presented on before. And so when we were talking about it, you know, we settled on this topic just because there are so many unique things as a teacher when you're trying to teach someone who this is what they want to mm-hmm. do. Absolutely. Uh, and different skills. And so um, they're going to, you know, help everybody understand that and learn grow in their ability to coach and work with singer-songwriters. Fantastic. Um, and then Lucinda Halstead and Deanna McBroom uh, and Chandler Thompson are uh, doing a, a vo- voice and hearing health session. Uh, Lucinda's at the Medical College of South Carolina in Charleston. Deanna okay. retired from uh, one of the schools in Charleston. Uh, Deanna's our kind of liaison between Nats and the Performing Arts Medical Association and, and Athletes in the Arts. Got it. And so she's bringing uh, Randall Dick, who's with Athletes in the Arts, uh, into this session as well. So it's uh, going to be an interesting kind of update for people on what the latest things are relative to hearing health and voice health. Uh, Lucinda also does a lot of presentations on the effect of different prescription medicines on the mm. voice. Fantastic. Uh, uh, so if you want to attend any of those pre-conference workshops, I would probably recommend making your flight in on Friday. That would probably be on the Thursday. Thursday. Excuse me. Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. 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 I tried. I think Thursday's a good day to come. Uh, and you don't get rushed. You don't worry about, you know, is your flight going to be late? All those kind of things. Some of us yeah. other, are uh, finishing family vacations until Friday yeah. morning. And so some of us are yeah. flying in Friday morning. It happens. <laughs> uh, one, of the other, one of the last uh, pre-conference workshops I want to mention is, is really important. It's a really important topic for us right now, and it's timely. And that is uh, Tonya Cena, uh, who... Uh, founded the Intimacy Directors International mm. organization. Yes, thank you. You know, yeah. I met um, this past year and had a long discussion about um, the issues that we particularly face as voice teachers in the studio, but also in rehearsal and on stage sure. and, our, and our students to, uh, face mm-hmm. relative to uh, issues of consent, intimacy, uh, sexual harassment, all those kinds of issues, and uh, so we we're, we have been and we're continuing to work with uh, Tonia to help develop some protocols that we can 
promote and that we feel are well-grounded and that we can begin to somewhat codify uh, some procedures and some uh, processes that people can use in their studios, whether they're independent studio teachers or teach in the academy, uh, and the many uh, settings in which we teach. Absolutely. Such an important... I mean, it's that, that I, I'm... I think it's important when our national organizations, whether we're talking about NATS or whether we're talking about ASHA or whether we're talking, whatever we're talking about, I think it's important for us to sort of have some outside resources of people who are helping inform, you know, the organization and the profession just to put out some, I mean, you know, sort of similar to the fact that we have lawyers who vet our ethics statements and and things of this nature and our copyright policies. I mean, I, I, I think it's, it's wonderful to see that in an organization like Nats, it's not just a group of voice teachers in a room in a situation like that saying, well, I touch my students, but I don't touch my students. Well, maybe we shouldn't. Right. Well, I know, but you can't mm-hmm. teach this if you don't. And, and, you know, we're at least getting some outside, you know, advocacy and some outside influence just to sort of, I think that's great. And it's, uh, it, it is, you know, we really need to call on these kind of experts to inform the things that we do. Uh, and I also think that one of the really important things is that we begin to support uh, the infrastructure of, of our industry in these ways with good resources that provide the framework for people so that they can protect themselves uh, in all kinds of situations. And, and that's not just us as teachers, but it's our students as well. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. Um, now, uh, there's one other thing I wanted you to mention because I, you know, it's, some people may see it on the website and go, what's that? What is a song slam? Yes, I'm so excited <laughs> about this. Uh, well, Martha Guth uh, started Sparks and Wiry Cries. Uh, if you haven't visited that, visit her site. We apprenticed together in Santa Fe. Oh, great. She's a wonderful person. Yes, and she and, and the others that are involved uh, in creating new art song. And there's such a great community right now for uh, the creation and performance of, of new art song. And <clears throat> so the, uh, we're going to have a grand, what we're calling a grand song slam event. And in my conversations right. with Martha, Uh, They've been doing song slams for a while, and a song slam is kind of like a poetry slam. She she Mm gets into a poetry slam where uh, they sign up uh, 10 composer, lyricist teams, singer teams, uh, and they have a certain amount of time to write a new art song. They come to the song slam event, and they perform it, and everybody that's there has a ballot, and they vote on the prizes at the end of the event. Phenomenal. And so you're seeing, you know, you're hearing 10 or 12 new compositions that some that may have never been performed live. Wow. uh, Before that evening. And, uh, and then everybody, everybody votes on that. And, uh, and we give out the prizes. So it's a really Cool opportunity. The thing about that makes it grand uh, is that at Nats, 
Martha is reaching out to all the past winners. Ah. Uh, all the song slams she has done. So we might say that ours is going to be the cream of the crop of past. Um, so it's like song, song slam WrestleMania. Stuff. There we go. A little bit. So it's uh, ultimate song slam. And so, you know, we're going to be, she's going to be pulling people coming from all over the country, these teams, uh, and we'll have a couple of local teams as well. Uh, and so they'll put together the evening and which day is we'll that? We will vote. That is a good question. <laughs> well, you can check the website. What is our national website? Just for, for anybody who in the vocal fam who doesn't know www.nats.org and you can find oh, like everything in the world that you ever wanted to know about Nats in addition to Knoxville uh, do we have national student auditions also going on at the conference we do yeah oh. we'll have uh, yeah we'll have about 200 you know high school college level singers uh, there for the finals of at semifinals and finals of the national student auditions um, those are going to take place over at the University of Tennessee, uh, which has a wonderful new music facility. And it's you can walk, but they also have free uh, bus shuttles that go back and forth from our hotel over there on that That's day. Nice. And um, so, it, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great venue for that. We also have, uh, for the students, we have some student-focused sessions uh, that will be happening over there during the day. Uh, so that while they're over there waiting for their time to sing or are yeah. waiting for results, uh, they can go to some of these sessions as well that are uh, tailored cool. to some of their needs. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be having that. Of course, we'll be having, uh, we just, uh, you know, finished the 2020 Nats Artist Awards and the National Music Theater Competition in New York City a few weeks yeah. ago. Uh, so the winners of, of those two uh Competitions will be singing a concert on the opening afternoon uh, after the opening ceremony. So we're putting them on right up front on the program this year. Awesome. And so that'll be exciting. Uh, Excellent. And, you know, it's just, I always love it when, when, you know, there's a thousand or more of us there together uh, just having a great time. It's a great time of fellowship. And mm -hmm. there will be a lot of mentoring opportunities while we're there that I we've would... had, some, some of which we've had in the past. Uh, we have a mentoring initiative going on right now and a committee that's involved with that. So we'll be, you'll be seeing some of those opportunities coming forward as well. Good transition, uh, we Alan. That was the next thing I was going to ask you about. Oh, good. <laughs> he did it all on his own. You just didn't even know. <laughs> I promise we didn't talk about this beforehand. We didn't. No. <laughs> No, that was excellent. I actually enjoyed, um, you know, I had volunteered to do some of that uh, at the last national in Vegas and ended up having some nice conversations. One with a, you know, just a professional colleague who's trying was trying to complete a dissertation and one with a student um, who was just sort of seeking out career advice and, you know, whatever, who was there competing in the competition. Um, and cool. it was it was it was a nice uh, it, it was it was nice having that sort of I think it was particularly nice um, for anybody who maybe has never been to a national because I'll be honest I remember my first time to national in Salt Lake City and I it can be overwhelming your first time that, that's what I'm imagining it, it sounds very cool a little daunting but very cool. <laughs> 
Yeah. We're going to try to, one thing that's not on the schedule yet, but we're going to try to get on there is a kind of a first timers orientation session. That could be nice. Uh, <laughs> Friday morning, just for, you know, first time people who just want to make sure they kind of get the most out of the experience. That is a great idea. Find, find ways. And, and I'm hoping also to make a couple of videos for first timers in advance, you know, that they can access as well, just to give them the overview of what happens and, uh, and the opportunities to just network and uh, reach out to new new friends in the profession. Uh, yeah. I I know I can't count the number of people I've developed really you know strong lasting relationships uh, professionally and personally through just being at Nat's events, and that's been a big part of of my not just my professional life, but personally as well. It's been rewarding. I I totally concur with that. I can't even express how much my attendance at nationals over the years, what effect that has had on me, not only personally, but professionally, um, just how many just connections that I made with people whose name I maybe knew or saw in print or, or what have you. And then I met them at national and I realized they were actually just a human being who I could have a conversation with, who actually got up in the morning and ate breakfast and, and, and was actually not a weird weirdo who didn't, you know, put their pants on in the morning. (laughs) Um, you know, and it's one of the reasons we sort of started the podcast was because we wanted sort of a way to make some some of our heady voice sciencey voice pedagogy friends not seem quite as ethereal but seem sort of just the the wonderful humans that they are um so i mean uh, yeah national's the best place i think to network that you ever have the opportunity to to do so and i do think that's um i think a unique thing about the nats conference i mean is that you know, it's not like we're at the Grammys and every speaker walks <laughs> off stage behind their security, whatever, you know, yeah. and, you know, cordoned off from society. Uh, you know, everybody that's there is, you know, in it, you know, and they're going to other things, whether they're a plenary speaker or, you know, guest artist. They're often, you know, wandering the halls just like yeah. everyone else. Uh, Absolutely. Going to sessions, learning themselves, wanting to be better at what they do. Ab- absolutely. So, are you're actually giving a session or two, aren't you, while you're there? Something in higher ed, or something in voice ped, or a couple different yeah. things. Yeah, uh, we're we're I'm participating in several things. Um, one of the projects we've been working on quite a bit uh, is uh, centers around teaching voice pedagogy and how do we kind of recalculate our uh, and and refocus our efforts on on voice pedagogy given the explosion of information that we now have about uh, how different styles are you know really different performed in different ways it's yep. not all one way and uh, the, the technical aspects and the pedagogical aspects are are different and so what does that mean you know for our one semester voice pedagogy class uh, oh, yeah. and <laughs> not only that but you know we get somebody hooked on the voice pedagogy as under as an undergraduate uh, what happens when they go to their master's degree and they're in a class with 
people who never had voice pedagogy before, but they're in a graduate level class. So they're mm -hmm. twiddling their thumbs because they were really into voice pedagogy and geeking out on it and hoping to geek out on it more. Uh, yeah. But here they are really kind of in a remedial kind of class at the graduate level. And then how does that progress to those who go on to a DMA? So how do we create a unified uh, structure that we can all rally around Indeed. and kind of help codify another segment of what we do so that we begin to, as our students move around the country in different programs, we begin to know that we can rely on uh, on how they're going to progress. Yeah. Uh, and we don't have to kind of search around, oh, there's only this program or this program or this program that I believe really will work for you, you yep. know, if, if that's mm -hmm. what you really want. So. We've had a couple of summits over the past six or so seven years uh, uh, about this topic, and so there's some writing going on right now, and Indeed. I'm excited to have that um, session where we can talk about some of those ideas and present some structures that we hope will uh, help people rally around some common models that, we, that can work. Uh, it's hard because, uh, you know, we're dealing with small liberal arts colleges to, you know, major, major institutions that, you know, have thousands of students just in their school of music. So uh, finding structures that work for all or that ad are adaptable and still serve the purposes, uh, overall purposes of students moving through that kind of funnel in higher education, yep. I think is important. Absolutely. Well, we'll look forward to that uh, and being at that for sure. Um, okay, so one of the other big things of this week is obviously that this week uh, Nat's cast became an official thing. Thing, yeah. So rather than me telling you about it, uh, why don't you, Alan, tell us about Nat's cast? Well, I'm really excited about Nat's cast, um, our new podcast network. And just like anything that we explore, think about, see happening in our profession, uh, we sit in the office or I sit with officers or others who are interested. And we say, uh, you know, or people ask me, they email me, why doesn't Nat's have a podcast or why doesn't Nat's have this or that? Uh, and in conversations about that and my thinking about it, I, I, you know, we have limited human resource in the Nats office and, of course, limited funding as well. But uh, one of the things in talking about podcasts, mm -hmm. you know, is you guys know they're time intensive uh, if you're going to do it well. <laughs> and it takes a lot of creative energy and a lot of coordination to to have a really good podcast. And... Uh, and we didn't really have the time with our current staff or mm -hmm. the expertise on our staff. Uh, we would have had to outsource some of this anyway. And uh, but in, in the end, you know, to me is why should Nats create something new when we have some great Nats members who are doing really great work? And so the the question uh, then turned to well, how can we leverage the work that they're doing? through Nats and how can we both amplify um, what we 
feel are some really quality resources because one of the things, just like anything that's mm-hmm. happening uh, on the internet, uh, you know, uh, the quality things uh, uh, eventually move their way to the top, but sometimes it's a longer process than others. There's a lot of chatter out there. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, uh, so we, I approached a number of uh, podcasts, including you guys, and uh, we, we just had a conversation about what, what banding together in a network environment could, could do for Nats, what, what the benefits to the individual podcasts would be, mm-hmm. uh, how we envision possibly the network growing in the future, uh, and how we want to uh, serve kind of our our market and our population, whether it be students or teachers. And so I'm really excited that these four podcasts are, are launching uh, Natscast this week. We've had some things, as you know, on social media yeah. and appreciate your all's fun video that you put up. <laughs> and, and so I'm really excited to see where this takes us uh, because I, I do think these four podcasts have unique are unique each uh, by themselves, Absolutely. but together they kind of complement one another and, uh, and we'll be having opportunities to uh, hopefully bring, you know, Nats related guests to these podcasts. The podcast will also uh, be at our conference this summer, you know, doing sessions and uh, recording segments that they can use in future episodes and so I really see it as a really great um, opportunity to kind of both amplify the great work that, that these podcasts and, and maybe some future ones that we add to the network, uh, while also helping to promote really you know, quality pedagogy, quality information that we uh, push out to our community. Absolutely. I mean, so we've got New York Vocal Coaching. Um, Justin Stoney and Andy King on, on, on that podcast. Um, we've got uh, the Holistic Voice, and I'm going to forget their names because they're uh, uh, Austin and... Um, Pull that up. Uh, oh, geez, that's terrible. Um, they're great. They're sort of... They have, a, they have an interesting focus of sort of um, what are the challenges that sort of up-and-coming young artists might face, and, and they've got some, some good guests on there sort of navigating the industry... New York Vocal Coaching sort of usually has sort of industry professionals on on their podcast. Anything from contemporary singing to uh, basically anybody they can get their hands on in New York, which is convenient. Um, there ha- there happen to be singers in New York, in case anybody was wondering. Um, and uh, Full Voice, Nikki runs Full Voice, and a lot of independent studio stuff, voice pedagogy stuff, some really great resources. She has her own um, sort of publications as well for, for teaching um, singers and running a studio. And, and uh, I was actually on Nikki's show, well, we recorded last night. That'll drop on Friday. Um, and uh, we had been trying to work that out, like, for uh, forever because i mean we had talked about it forever ago and then of course academic years happen and as as any of us can attest to things that are talked about in august once academic years happen 
sometimes have a way of uh, being forgotten about. But we are so excited. We are so thankful that Vocal Fry is a part of this. I think we are both the heavy-hitting science at times and pedagogy and also the comic relief of the bunch. Um, so we are, uh, we are so excited to be a part of it. And, um, I mean, we're just, you know, this is something that I interrupted Alan at a lunch about in Vegas. So it's been something we've been working on for quite a while. Um, and we're just, we're really thrilled to see it actually come to fruition so before we go one last thing because we have to ask because we are vocal fry so of course uh, so alan do you have any pop culture interests do you have any favorite tv shows you want to tell the vocal fam about books that you read interests that you have that are non-singing related i know most of your life is consumed a little bit with your job and gnats um so but do you have any other outshoots of interest that 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 you'd like to share with the vocal fam oh sure well i have uh I just finished the recent season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel it's on TV. It's fantastic. It was, it was great. But a uh, sad ending again, right? A little sad. Well, you know, yeah. <sighs> there tend to be sad cliffhangers in that show, I think. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah. But, so that was fun. I enjoyed that. Uh, I, I do. I'm kind of a Netflix junkie mostly. And I'm, I'm also a news so junkie, so I've been... Uh, following the consumed lately recent uh, certain sure. events of the United the States Congress yeah. yes right yeah so that that's been uh, it has interesting to follow it has been sort of filling our news feeds yes yeah, yeah it in, has indeed yeah, yeah. an interesting then, interesting time to be alive yeah and uh, yeah and then uh, I haven't spent a lot of time lately but on it but I do uh, a lot of we've renovated some houses over the years, and I'm I'm kind of into refinishing furniture, so I've done a lot of that over the years. Furniture. I knew you did some houses. Furniture. I didn't know about the furniture. Yeah, it's just, it's a relaxing, nice so you, something I can concentrate on that's not musical that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Do you like painting, staining? Like what kind Mostly of mostly refinishing and staining? Yeah. Yeah. Being staining, you know, natural yeah. kind of work mostly. Do you have any pieces in your own house that you've done? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, like any young couple, uh, we pretty much furnished our house, first house, with uh, auction finds and things yeah. like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, refinished a lot of furnitures. We just did a big kitchen renovation project this summer in our oh. house. So I was staining cabinets most I'm of the sure. summer. That that takes time. Let me just tell you, vocal fam. That uh, well, it's the true test of a marriage. <laughs> you can have a successful kitchen renovation. Yeah. And if you need any counseling, mm. Nick, just call me. <laughs> My wife and I went through uh, a job loss, a cross country move, and a house renovation all in eighteen months. So, uh, and that was five years ago. Ow. So we've, we've been, uh, we, we, we know a thing or two about, uh, that whole, that, that whole, uh, that whole game. Um, and fortunately we're, uh, we're, we're through all that, but, uh, yeah, that's a, it's re renovating a home is no joke. No, no joke whatsoever. All right, Sarah, what'd you have for breakfast? Oh, um, this is going to sound really weird this morning. I had half a pop tart, just half, just half. Just half. You did not eat the whole thing. 
Yeah, I got halfway through it and I was like, ugh, this is really gross. And then I didn't want to eat anything else. So that was basically it. It was really good. Like, I, I had this weird nostalgia trip when I was grocery shopping this week. And I was like, Pop-Tarts, those were a thing. And to my credit, this wasn't just like a Pop-Tart. Like, it was that, I don't know if y'all have seen it, that Annie's brand that it, they do all the organic stuff at the grocery store some. They have really good macaroni and cheese. Okay, maybe y'all haven't seen that. It's really nope. good. They make Pop-Tarts. And I was like, this could be good. So I bought them. And then this morning I was eating it and it was not. That was, I was tricked. I was bamboozled by my own memory. Sorry. So, Too yeah. bad. All right. It was worth well, a shot. Well, Alan, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and, and thank you for all the work that you do on behalf of the profession yeah. as executive director. I know it's a, it's some, it's a big job. You wear, I, I, I'm sure you must get dizzy of the mat, the number of hats that you wear. yeah it gets busy sometimes it's really exciting though and it's uh energizing to see all the great things that you know are going on in our profession and all the great teaching that happens all around the country and literally around the world uh you know it's just really fulfilling to do that and i i'm really looking forward to our conference this summer and uh, as are we and all the energy that will be there uh, because it's always just a great energy uh, it refills our tank, I guess. It refills my tank in many ways. Me too. Uh, just to be be together. Me so. too. All right. Well, Vocal Fam, we'll be back with you um, next week. You uh, won't even know. You oh, won't wait. even know. We're actually going to record it today, but we'll be back with you. You're about to hear Picard stuff. <laughs> we'll also. Oh, that's right. But we'll also be back yeah, with you next yeah. week with yeah. Heidi Moss as a guest um, mm-hmm. for for her session at Nats National and some things she's got coming out in Journal of Singing. And uh, yep. and we'll be keep moving forward because we've got a whole bunch of people lined up over the next coming months. So so Alan, thank you so much. Exciting spring. Thank you. Thank Great you. to be with you. All right, vocal fam, we are out. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. It's Picard, PhD. Now you learn something real nerdy on our show as we go to. Dr. Glasner's lab in section 31. Da, 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 da. Uh, so what did we think of what, what did we think of maps and legends, guys? Maps and legends. That was the title of this week's episode. It was good. Oh, there's an Aria in here. Um, I really liked it. I, I I mean I I'm a huge nerd, a uh, huge Trekkie, so I, I loved it. But um, I, did you, did you all think it was a a little bit more, uh, maybe even slower than the previous one? As just my, a lot of techno babble, so much exposition. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I kind I know, I of loved find... it. Yes. Yeah. But there was so much, ex- particularly the the opening, basically, like. Everything in the first act felt like, again, here, audience, is all this information you need to know. Or what about the, the, the database search? Where you're <laughs> like, okay, okay, we, we, already, we, the audience, already know that um, Soji is, like, on another world. Yeah. Um, and and we, did we really need to see Picard have this, like, epiphany of, oh, she's not on Earth? Yeah. Hey, that that bother me as much. That was where my wife was like, see clunky <laughs> see and, and and as a trekkie i'm cool with it like i actually enjoyed enterprise back in the day right especially right. later on 
Um, um, when they actually like did cool things. Can we talk about? Um, <laughs> can we talk about Romulan forensic reconstruction for a second? <laughs> yeah. Illegal Romulan forensic yeah, reconstruction. I, and I also that, and that also the part. alternative <laughs> facts about it that they've been spreading. Right. Yes. It was the most Romulan thing that's happened in this series so far. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Or the or the line that came like within that little montage bit, um, where she says, uh, uh, "What was it? It was um, to to add secret to anything in Romulan culture or society is um is redundant." But this is the actual secret society. Yeah. Right. Which I'm gosh, I'm drawing a total blank on the on the new name for the actual secret society, which uh, was Jadash. Jadash. Yeah. Um so I I I is it too obvious to assume that they're setting them up as like the bad of the series? Well, they're the bad of the series, sure, it but like, feels like I'm it. wondering if we're going to get finally get like a Borg origin story. It it does seem to kind of imply it, like with the whole reclaiming of them. I mean, in the research oh, and the secret that, like, if they let it no- be known, then I mean, it clashes with the books, but we know in Star Trek, unlike in other series or other, uh, 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 like, uh, shows, for example, like Star Wars. That the the books actually aren't canon ever. Wow, I hadn't even really thought about a Borg origin story yet. I mean, I, I thought they were going to do it in Discovery. To be honest, that would be very interesting. That, that would not surpri- would not have surprised me. I mean, but, but they didn't. Right. So I yeah. mean, because now that... Discovery's not in the past. Anyway, that's a spoiler warning. Hashtag. Everything I'm watching is currently just like spoilers. Everything is spoilers. <laughs> oh, but this hey, LaForge is alive. Speaking of spoilers. Right? How happy did that make it you? It was great when he was like, why don't you call oh. Commander Riker or Worf or Jordy? Or And I was like, Jordy's alive! There we oh, go. Oh, I met Leah Brahms this week when I was watching the show, oh, when I was watching oh, Next very Year. nice. Not like, okay, so they haven't like literally met in person, but I watched the episode where... Um, it's weird. Jordy's having to do the research and, you know, he like has the holodeck recreator. And now so you I'm, get my joke from last week. I do, I do. I was watching, I was like, oh, <laughs> I know who you are. So that was exciting. And it was weird. It was, it was, that yeah. episode was one of the more kind of trippy awkward moments of the show because but okay. it was kind of violating what do you have you got into barkley yet barkley no you have, okay you've not met reg barkley yet i don't think so unless you do in think. season three for sure yeah jordy jordy's little fling pales in comparison yeah, they sort of are like, we can't have Jordy do that. We better have somebody else do this thing. That would be no, too uh, weird. Therapy. No, I don't think I've watched that one then. Yeah, you'll get there. I don't think so. Yep. Um, okay, so favorite favorite uh, Picard moment for this week? Um, Sarah, you start. Oh, man, I'm trying to decide. Um. I don't know. I, I, It's not so much a moment. I'm really loving the setup between Sochi and Romulan boy, whose name I can't remember. Like, I can't decide how complex his character is going to be. Like, you know, right now he's obviously 
kind of spying on her by being with her. But I, I would love to see, granted, this is what I would love to see him genuinely like fall for her and turn and end up kind of helping Picard like for real, you know? What if turncoat, turn, turncoat? Actually, a triple agent, and he's actually a Vulcan who has infiltrated the Jadash. Yeah, like I, I think that's cool. I also, this isn't even Called so it. much a, like again. <laughs> These aren't even so much moments. Just, I wonder, so we're talking about, like, Borg origin story. This might be fairly obvious. Someone might be like, yeah, Sarah, of course this is going to happen. I think something's going to happen bad out on that Borg ship that they're kind of rebuilding. I mean, obviously, and I think the Borg are just going to kind of be back. Although I'm not sure, like, I felt like there was very much a vibe when Soji was, like, standing and she talked to the reclaimed Borg. Ah. I thought something was about to go down just because of her being a scent and the Borg being so much computer and cyborg. I, I thought something was going to go down. I don't know, but that, but that part was probably my favorite part of the episode. Yeah. I think you're gonna just going to see this like pattern with me whenever there's some sort of like societal message. Um, you'll yeah. be like, that was my favorite. <laughs> um, but uh, what does she say? She says, uh, you're free now, friend. You're free now, in, yeah. In, a, in either Romulan or his own language. Yeah, I was uh, like, I don't I, know what language this is. I think it was Romulan. I think but, it was Romulan. But I, I enjoyed that. I don't uh, know. I so, so my favorite was Picard and the Admiral. Yeah. Um, getting an F-bomb uh, thrown at Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah. Was pretty epic. She basically okay boomered him. I essentially, yes. I mean, it was whoa. It was that was whoo. Okay. And I thought I thought Patrick Stewart's performance in that scene was pretty epic. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And as was her I mean the and the writing in that scene was great. Right, throwing the the word hubris at Picard. It was like we have yes. this, and this is what I don't quite can't figure out yet. Again, Akiva Goldsman and Michael Shabon are incredible writers. They wrote this episode. They write a mm-hmm. scene like that that is so amazing, but then the scenes mm-hmm. that happened before it are like durka 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 audience here, audience there. Uh, anyway, and, and that may change well, as we get into it. Maybe and somebody they, I mean, above are... them kind of stepped in and was like, hey, you know, we're trying to market like it's CBS doing this. They're, they're, they want to market it to as many people as they can. And so they might have been like, you need to put something in there to explain right. that so that people that don't watch Star Trek can understand. You know what I mean? But like at the same time, they did like really they just glossed over something that apparently happened in the comics. Now, I don't read comics. Um, right. But it, they, they glossed over the his two Romulan friends having been. um or like, like having been in something? the in the Tal Shiar, yeah, yeah, which is a big deal. That's a big deal. Um, and their and their whole backstory, they could have really, you know, talk about exposition. They could have brought that in. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, and having, maybe they will at some point. I think. I, mean, I think we're gonna get a revealed Tal Shiar completely. But um, uh, the idea of having a Romulans in Starfleet was pretty revolutionary. Um, I mean that that was pretty epic in and mm-hmm. of itself. Um, yep. I think we need to remember that just because they're in Starfleet doesn't mean that they've given up their ambition or their drive to take over the universe. Sure. Uh, oh, I think that's pretty obvious. And based if off anyone of this could infiltrate a 
government from inside and destroy it from the within rather than without. Not that that reflects anything in modern culture in real life <laughs> thinking. Anyway, moving on. Uh, okay, so because we got to get to voice stuff, where would we rank this week's episode in terms of, you know, one to ten? Are we putting this at a? Wh- where are we putting this? Six and a half. Yeah. Six and a half or seven. Six yeah, that, or so. that that feels the, the, I, the I six to seven. Window, no, it was not bad. I actually like Josh. I think I enjoy the gobbledygook. Yep. I mean, te- techno babble is half of my love for Starfleet. Exactly. Well, and and also, look, this is this is made to binge, and oh, we're not yeah. binging it. We're not. We're watching a week to week. Yeah. If you watch one to two, and I bet to three, I bet it's pretty fantastic. Right. Particularly, That's a good point. Uh, my guess is next week we do get Commander Riker and Troy and our little farewell scene and yeah. yes. And beyond that, I think we get a like classic like Game of Thrones cliffhanger at the end of the season yeah. or at the end of no, season, episode no, three. No, at the at the end of episode three. I think that kind of takes us into some faster paced stuff at come episode four. I have a feeling you're you're absolutely well and then there'll be a slow episode around episode six. Absolutely. Yeah. Honestly that's almost more like Lord of the Rings to me, you know, like you've got your first book, which is just all exposition. Absolutely. Very slow, very dry. You get into that second book or the next few episodes after three and it's super action packed and then you have a little slow and then it picks back up. Like that yeah. Very Lord of the Rings to me. One right. big long story. Josh, what's our what's our voice deep dive for today? Okay, so last week we talked about room acoustics and how rooms act as filters. We're not going too far from that. We're talking about okay. how your head itself acts as a filter. There's something in music technology oh boy. called a uh, head-related transfer function. And head-related transfer function function um head-related transfer function. That's hard to is, say. It is hard to say. We say HRTF. HRTF is actually like an individual fingerprint for every individual, every person. Um, so in spatial audio, this is important. It, you can imagine that in voice teaching, it might be important that actually the way your head is shaped, the distance between your ears, the sensitivity between ears even, although that's not part of HRTF, mm-hmm. um, and even the size of your torso um, can impact how you perceive or what you hear from the thing in front of you. Um, both That's in terms so of directionality cool. and in terms of the filtering effects. Oh, beyond that, my now goodness. here's our here's a little tag in. Um, NYU is actually using this um, in addition to um, real time impulse responses. I believe they're doing some fancy stuff that may have changed since I last heard about the project. They're actually using HRTFs to build a holodeck. What? There's our Star Trek reference. What? So yeah, this my thing only that, warning that, there would be nothing good ever happens. So on are that you holodeck. telling me that I have a very large noggin? Are you telling me that somebody who maybe has like a more narrow noggin than mine would actually filter noises differently? Absolutely. Interesting. That is phenomenal. I mean, that totally makes sense, though. Just as to preferences and how you can be like, we're hearing the same thing. How can you not? Except you're not hearing the same thing. Well, and then of course, age changes your kind yeah. of the, well, the right. uh, equal loudness contour and whatnot. Of, uh, no, yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. I mean, of, well, and I mean, you're also dealing with potential of hearing loss over time. And, you know. 
and you're literally standing at different places. Well, that's also true. You can't actually be occupying the same space. Yep, and therefore you're dealing with reflections from different root walls that's in the true. room differently um, than, say, the other person who's listening to the exact same thing, except not. Except not. My uh, my grad acoustics class definitely loved your example because <laughs> we were in the middle of listening to Ian's talk on soprano singers format, and, mm-hmm. and, he, and he mentions the placement of the mic to sort of indicate the room and the singer. And um, and uh, I paused it, and then I went to the podcast and played them your example, and they were like, and I explained it to them, and they were like, no, wait, now what? I was like, yes. <laughs> and then one of them, see, in, in my class this semester, one of them is a singer, and one of them is a singer whose really fi- primary focus is choral singing as a conductor sure. and, and wants to go into choral acoustics and stuff. And, really? Really? Um, and uh, I was talking to him about like how important it would be for a choir director to know what the spectral slope of their room was, uh, where they stood. Yeah. I mean, sure, where the nodes are and where the what the frequency response of that room is. Exactly. Yeah. David Howard d- gave a really great talk on that at um, or workshop rather maybe two years ago at uh, Voice Foundation. I mean, so important. Um, on, on this head-related transfer function business, if somebody in the vocal fam wanted to read more about it, is there a place you sure. could yeah. point them? Um, Wikipedia has a really nice article, actually. Which probably um, has some sources in it. It has some sources in it. Um, the, my One of my uh, dissertation committee members, Agnieszka Rozinska, uh, who's now the associate chair or assistant chair at um, Steinhardt's music, uh, music department, um, she does a lot of work with that. Um, really cool work with like the mil- U.S. military, in fact. That's um, so cool. Yeah. Uh, so she has some stuff. It once you start getting into the actual research, it's a little bit heavy. Um, sure. But I think the the concept um, kind of like brought down to earth is kind of helpful, especially just questioning what we're actually hearing when we listen to a student. It sort of is like the same analogy of of whether you or I actually perceive the same color as the same color. Exactly. Yes. I mean, you know, and me being, I, I'm always fascinated by that discussion because I'm, I, I have some color blindness that I deal with. Sure. And I've had to sort of learn to rationalize what other people see as colors. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and so that's been an interesting sort of uh, comparison, learning to try to help to understand maybe what other people hear as singing um absolutely well and it, and it kind of ultimately goes back to that thing that that uh uh picard was talking about with dodge um last last episode right where um we were talking about it last week uh that essentially everybody has a different perception of the world and though it's really it's a mature step to look and say that everybody's perception is valid oh yeah well yeah that, that is yours there is our yeah. there's our takeaway vocal fam Dr. Glasner bringing it with the hard-hitting review, tying it back in, tying head-related transfer function back in to Star Trek. This is exactly what I wanted this segment to look at look like. Um, Ta-da. Thank you so much, Josh. We'll be back with you next week. Um, vocal ah. fam, Heidi Moss, and then uh, Picard's PhD episode three. So... Bravo Mm -hmm. to both of you for today. Awesome, guys. Fantastic. All right. Peace out. Thanks. See ya.